Sup, I'm Logan, and it's Thursday at 11, which means you're listening to Multiversal on Weagle 91.1 Auburn. Multiversal is a show where we talk about comics. So for the next two hours, I'll be talking about comic book news, reviews, movies, TV shows, and more. With anybody from around the multiverse able to pop in, you won't want to miss it. So sit back, relax, and let me be your Multiversal tour guide. Sorry for those who are listening and had to hear me, you know, give the intro again. But for real this time, welcome back to Multiversal. This is our second episode. It's the first two-hour episode. Today is, if you didn't know, the Peacemaker show, season finale, finally aired. So we're definitely going to talk about that. I just spent the last hour, 45 minutes or so, watching it with my friend in the bullpen for Weagle. I loved it. I loved the whole series. We'll talk about that later. I think, depending on how long I go on that, we might talk about a year in review of last year, since we didn't get to do it last week's original plan. And I think we're going to talk some comic news. So I think that's what we're going to start with. So let's hit you with some. Breaking comic book news, 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 news. Our first news is, well, it was Super Bowl week. So we got a lot of Super Bowl ads, a.k.a. we got a Doctor Strange ad. We got a Moon Knight ad. We got a spot for DC where they plugged the Batman, Black Adam, the Flash, and kind of sort of the new Aquaman film. They really didn't show a lot from it, but they showed his new suit, which looked great. Um, For the Flash, it was kind of mostly footage we've already kind of seen, but uh, it was still good. It It was same footage from the trailer, you know, a while back, but... We did get, like, a better look at the Flash's, like, cowl and stuff like that, which, personally, I don't think I'm very much a fan of this new costume. When I saw it in the concept art, I liked it, but now looking at the head just kind of throws me off. He looks like a bobblehead. Like, he looks really big. It looks kind of like, speaking of Peacemaker, he looks kind of like Judo Master's, like, head. So, personally, I'm not really looking at the head, but the big, the big boys was, well, we got to see more of the Batman, but we've already kind of seen Everything we're going to see from that film. So that wasn't anything. It was just plugging it before it comes out in March. Which again, very excited. When we do Multiversal. When when it, ha- when it comes out. We will do a coverage of it the week after. I think it's going to be like. Well, basically, we go goes on spring break. Um, the week of the Batman comes out. I'm going to see it Thursday night. I'll probably do an episode pre-jacking it before. But uh, me and my friend are going to go see it Thursday night. We're not going to be able to cover it for another two weeks. Um, but when we cover it, believe me, it's all we're going to talk about. That's a full dedicated because of that, the three-hour. Hopefully it's going to be good. I think it's going to be good. But uh, we're excited about that. Um, and then the big thing was we got to see more footage of Black Adam. We really didn't get to see. We really got to see that um, Black a- more footage of The Rock actually doing stuff which was cool. He looks great as Black Adam as always. But the big kicker was we got to see members of the JSA. Yes, as in we got to see Dr. Fate, Adam Smasher, Calypso, and Hawkman for the first time. They were rumored to be in this film. You have Pierce Bronson as Dr. Fate. You got to see him for the first time without the helmet and with the helmet on. I think it looked great. I think the still they put out of it didn't look great, but I think in the trailer, it didn't do it justice. The trailer, it looked great. It, it looked like a very, very good-looking costume. The eyeballs are a little tiny, 
they don't have like the white flare as the comics, but like I didn't expect them to. The way it, the still hit, it looked like he had like no eyes, which I thought was weird, but it looked fine in the trailer. We got to see Adam Smash first time, played by Noah Centineo. Hopefully, I pronounced that right. Um, I don't really care for the actor that much. I haven't really watched him in most things, but I will say the Adam Smasher suit looked glorious. It looked great. Adam Smasher's not like a super popular character. It's kind of like Giant Man, but like he basically gets big and he's strong. As if the stuff I've read about, I've read a little bit of stuff with Adam Smasher and not like a whole lot. Like I haven't read any Adam Smasher series stuff, but this JSA stuff I've read with him. He's always been a cool character, and so I thought it'd be cool to bring him to the screen. I do not know anything about Calypso. Costume looked fine. Um, there wasn't like, you know, oh my gosh, like standing out to me. But I don't know a lot about our character, so I really have a lot of input on that. And Hawkman looked, I think Hawkman looked the best out of them all. He looked just absolutely fantastic. Like jumped off your screen. I have read a lot of Hawkman, so I was very excited to see him's inclusion in this film. So that was it for DC this week. But Marvel, oh my goodness, Marvel had, it was just staying in the news this week. First you had the Super Bowl ads, the Moon Knight trailer, which was just huge. Um, You gotta, I, when we first saw the Moon Knight trailer, I liked the costume. I wasn't all over it, but now seeing it in this new trailer, I think it looks fantastic. I think a lot of people are complaining about it because like the little mask, I think it just works. They have the crescent cape in the trailer, they finally showed that. They show more of, like, him almost, like, going crazy and seeing himself in the reflection. You get to see the Mr. Knight variant of Moon Knight basically in the suit with the traditional mask, which I think looks absolutely amazing. Um, Overall, I just thought the trailer was fantastic. The whole part where he had the tattoo with, like, the, the, I think it was, like, the hourglass or the scales that were, like, going back and forth was cool. And you can see how crazy it is. Um, Oscar Isaac ended up talking about Moon Knight saying that he says it's the first real character study since Iron Man, which I would disagree. I think there has been more character studies in the MCU since Iron Man. I would I would say Captain America. The first Avenger, loosely, but I would definitely say Winter Soldier was a huge character study for Captain America's character. Other than that, I'd say he's right, but I, I would I wouldn't say it was to be the first one since Iron Man when Winter Soldier exists and is a fantastic Captain America movie. And it's just it's just perfect for this character, like the whole you know going against country and stuff like that. But I digress. I think possibly after reading that, um, I think I might uh, do another do an episode where I do the best comic book character studies, where it's just focusing on the character and the aspects of their life more than you know the villains and stuff like that. It's more the understanding of the character. I might do an episode on that now. Um, maybe not. Oh, we also got to see some more info on The Boys Diabolical. Um, the short animated series of The Boys coming out with like 11 minute episodes during March. I'll cover that. I don't think it's going to be most like indecisive coverage. It's not really like, I don't think they're grabbing much from The Boys Comics canon, which I've read half the run. I haven't finished it yet, um, but I do like it. But I think they're mainly, like, just kind of throwing fun animated stuff that doesn't really, like, matter much of the canon. Even though it does have an all-star cast. And, you know, all the people who are in The Boys are coming back. Plus, I know Zola Marienda from, who is going to be Blue Beetle and is in, uh, Cobra Kai is going to be in it. There's some more. I'm missing big name actors. There's a bunch of, I gotta go look this up. 
Maybe during the break I do and come back with your list of actors. But for right now, it has a bunch of big name actors, a bunch of different animation styles each episode. It looks interesting. It looks like a fun little bit to watch. Um, Peacemaker also got renewed for season two. We'll talk about that later on in the episode. But so happy for that. Such a great series. I think it's the best. I would say it's the best thing DC's done in a while, but they also did su- James Gunn did Suicide Squad. So it's like everything James Gunn has touched for DC has been amazing. It's like Peacemaker by far is, a, I think, honestly, a better show than any of the MCU shows combined. Even the shows are good. Peacemaker's just a different level. James Gunn just has that touch, that style. It just really hits with me. Um, but getting back towards the Marvel side of the news, we did get a new trailer for Doctor Strange, a little Super Bowl spot where you guys see like 30 seconds and then a bunch of footage, which people are just going crazy online over. There's a mysterious voice that tells Doctor Strange it looks to be... It lo- there looks to be like some... In the shot in the trailer, there's some Ultron bots... That looks like new versions of kind of like an Ultron, like sentient, like robots that take Doctor Strange in like handcuffs to like a bunch of people in chairs. And one of them goes, I think we should tell him. And it, and in the caption, it says mysterious voice. But everyone, even me, is like, that's Charles Xavier. That is pa- Sir Patrick Stewart's voice. I know that out of anywhere. And I mean, a lot of people, you know, the rumor is this film is, has Illuminati. It's been rumored to have... Charles Xavier, and that's basically all but confirmed right now. Um, a lot of people that looks like to have, and we saw in the trailer, a Monica Rambeau Captain Marvel. Some people think it's uh, Tom Cruise. Um, and the, what's the Iron Man's type? It's, it's like basically like evil Iron Man. Because for the long time, there was, was rumor in the film that they're just going to go crazy. They're going to have like Tom Cruise Iron Man because originally he was like casted in Iron Man in the 90s. Um, but that's, that some people think that that was a shot at him. I don't because the skin tone was African-American and it looked like a woman. The rumor instead is that it's Monica Rambeau, Captain Marvel from an alternate universe. America Chavez looks great. They have the being known as Gargantos, which is basically Shuma Gorath from the comics, but Marvel doesn't own the rights to that name. So they basically changed the Gargantos, even though it basically looks exactly like Shuma Gorath. More shots of him. He looks absolutely breathtaking. A great-looking kaiju. Um, There's rumors that Deadpool is going to be in this film because some people on the poster they released, it's like a bunch of broken glass, a bunch of characters on it, and people swear they saw Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool doing the shush. At first, I didn't see it, but when they zoomed in more, I could see how they could infer that. I don't think that's it, but, you know. People also saw um, Captain Carter's shield, which I think she will be in this film somewhat, somehow, because I think Marvel's just going to push for that, make her a bigger character. I mean, you basically already got Haley Atwell ready, you know, ready to do it. So why not? You're already building her in What If. That's definitely going to happen. You got a shot of, like, zombie Doctor Strange. I don't know if, if it's Strange Supreme from the What If series or not, or if it's just another variant. We got a better look at Defender Strange with his, like, ponytail. <laughs> We got more shots of America Chavez. I think she looks great. Honestly, I do not have a lot of input on America Chavez. I really do not. I don't think I've read barely anything with her character in it. But that being said, I'm very excited for her conclusion. The actress who has been playing her has been so excited to be in this film. So I'm excited for her. And when you bring that kind of energy, I don't think you can bring a bad performance. So I'm very excited to see her character. She was rumored originally to be in No Way Home, but she wasn't. Um... But yeah, that trailer was great. I mean, 
the zombie Doctor Strange. You got to see what looks like Strange Supreme from What If. You got to see, like, I don't know if it was zombie Wanda or, like, just a Wanda variant. He's, like, Wanda touching Wanda in, like, two different versions. One of them looking like a bloody version from Westview, from, like, WandaVision. And honestly, like, it was a little jarring. Like, she looks like she's setting up to be partial a partial villain because she said, you know, Strange, you break the rules and you become a hero. And I break the rules and I become an enemy. Well, the difference was when Strange broke the rules, he was doing it, you know, to help people. He didn't kidnap a whole town. You know, he was trying to help the universe, you know, all that good stuff. But Or unless he's talking about um, No Way Home, which even that, I don't even think it's that bad compared to what Wanda did. Wanda literally, like, kidnapped the whole town and, like, made it to where they didn't exist. Like, that's a little crazy, not going to lie, Wanda. But, you know, all the Wanda stands don't hop on me. But the trailer looked great. I'm very excited to see that film. Sam Raimi looks like he's doing a master class. It is shot beautifully. It looks like a straight up like horror film. The shot where Strange gets like the glass breaks and he's in a bunch of like cubes was amazing. It was like it looked kind of like when what happened to Drax and Infinity War. And then the last thing we're going to talk about, which is the biggest news for me, and we're going to run it real, real quick, is all the Netflix Marvel shows are leaving Netflix. That includes Daredevil, Punisher. Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Defenders, and um, Iron Fist are leaving Netflix March 1st, which means it might finally be time, boys. You might finally have saved Daredevil. Because my my thought is, if they're leaving Netflix and coming, the rights are coming back to Disney, why would Disney just not, you know, redo the intro and take like Netflix out of it and then put it on Hulu or put it on uh, Disney Plus? I don't know if they'll put it on Disney Plus because those you know shows are a little. You know, hard too a little hardcore in Disney Plus, but put it on Hulu and then make a new season, or just use the characters more, because they're gonna use the characters anyway now. But I really want them to use characters more. Charlie Cox came out this week and said that basically he wants to play Daredevil for a long, 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 long time. He wants to play him to where he's so old, where people were asking, "Why are you still playing this character?" Because he loves him, which is like I love that. I love Charlie Cox's Daredevil. I'm so excited for that. So let me say, when when. If, if, I'll say if, I think it's going to be a win, but if Marvel announced they're putting it on Hulu or Disney+, Plus, you will know, I will be on that. I am so excited, I hope they start using these characters again. But with that being said, I think that's going to end the news segment for the week. If something else comes up, I might talk about it later on the show. But we're going to go to our first ad break, so I will be back with the Peacemaker recap. Yo, 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 we are back. And I think this is what's going to be the Peacemaker recap segment. We're going to go ahead and get in that. 45 minutes of Peacemaker recap. Or maybe more. I may talk for the next hour and 45 minutes about it. We'll see. But um, Peacemaker, the show, was phenomenal. This is your non-spoiler review. We'll go over that real quick. Um, overall, great casting of John Cena. I think he knocked it out of the ballpark. I think he knocked it out of the ballpark in the Suicide Squad, but especially in this. It was so James Gunn. Now, for me, I love that. I love James Gunn. I love the way he directs. I love the first three Guardians films. I like Brightburn. I like Super. Um, I like the old Scooby-Doo films that he did back in the day, the ones with uh, Matthew Lillard and uh, Freddie Prince Jr. But some people don't really like James Gunn's style, and so they may not, you know, like the film, like the show, which if that's the case, you know, sure. But personally, I love it. And I love it, too, when James Gunn gets the wheels to do whatever he wants. I think James Gunn works best 
when he has characters that are very open books that you have a little bit of like a baseline in understanding, but it's like very unknown. Like I think if if you gave James Gunn, a lot of people want to give James Gunn the reins for DC, and honestly, I don't think that's a good idea. Not oh offense to James Gunn, I think he would do fine, but I don't think one person should have the reins for everything. I don't think it worked with Zack Snyder, but because I'm saying that because I think James Gunn does best when he uses obscure characters. If you look at, on the Marvel side, he used Guardians, which before James Gunn made the movie were basically no ones. The, they weren't even like the OG team of Guardians. I'm pretty sure they may have like relaunched the year James Gunn was like making the movie with that lineup, but it was, you know, they were basically nobodies. I remember when Guardians first came out, they were like, why did Marvel pick this property? It's going to flop. And then it did great because James Gunn brought his energy and brought his charisma and loved the characters and just made them what they were. You know, Rocket had a little bit of notoriety. Groot was nobody. Star-Lord was a completely different character. Gamora was a little known and Drax was a little known, but they were completely different. Well, Gamora was kind of similar. A little bit more provocative, but Drax was a little bit of a little bit of a different character. Um, but he did a great job with that. And, of course, now the Guardians are beloved characters in the lore of Marvel. Um, and I feel like he did the same with Peacemaker and his Suicide Squad movie. If you notice, the only, like, mainstream character that he really picked in his Suicide Squad lineup was Harley because he kind of had to use Harley. And he used them very sparingly. He used her well. He didn't, like push her, her character or anything and he can do that but I feel like if you give him Superman he's not going to want to make a Superman film if you give him Batman you know like that's not his style he needs something he can like make those colorful characters and like, colorful choices and the lighting he uses the colorful shots the soundtrack you know like, I just don't feel like it would work if you gave him the full reins of DC now, there might be some characters he might be able to do for DC with that are somewhat known but like giving him the reins of the universe I don't think it's a good idea now give him the reins of the Suicide Squad forevermore. I'm completely fine with. He is again. Now let's go back in the actual show. Peacemaker is a phenomenal show. I said that already. I'll say it again. Um, all the characters are mainly unknowns. Even Peacemaker has been like barely ever used in the comics since he was brought over from Fawcett. He wasn't originally a DC character. He was originally a Fawcett College character with. Blue Beetle and The Question and some other people, um, which, interesting, originally, those characters were going to be used in the Watchmen books. Originally, that when Alan Moore decided to create Watchmen, he had the idea of um, using those characters, and Peacemaker's character would have been like the comedian. Um, and Question would have been Rorschach, if you notice, those characters are all very similar because he based them off of them. Um, Blue Beetle would have been, I think, like the Owl. I don't know who would have been Dr. Manhattan. We'll see. But basically, DC originally was going to allow him to do it, and then they said, no, we're going to use some of those characters. Make your own, and he made his own. And that's how we ended up with the Watchmen. So it was very funny that you know Peacemaker and the Comedian were almost one of the same. I think it was originally called Who Killed the Peacemaker? Because Peacemaker, like the comedian, was going to die. Like, I think, first issue. But Peacemaker has gotten barely any love. He's starting to get used again because of the show and put in the more Suicide Squad comics. But he's not like James Gunn's Peacemaker. He's like the traditional comics Peacemaker. 
He's like a hard man's man who, you know, really doesn't, like, he isn't funny like he is, like how John Cena plays him. So it's a very different interpretation, which, you know, normally I'm a stickler for, like, oh, why can't we have, you know, these great characters that we have so much history, why can't we put them on silver screen? But I'm fine with whatever James Dunn does because he picks characters. He, If you can bring a passion, if you're not going for a, ca- a cash grab, if you get a director that can bring in passion to any, even the obscure characters or characters that aren't even, like, known and make them their own, I'm good with it. Because, look, Vigilante, again, Vigilante, also used in the series, um, is a very obscure character, has a completely different origin than the show. It's completely different than the show other than the costume. But he works so well in the show, the way James Gunn writes him. Hardcore, I don't even know what her comic history is. I'm pretty sure she's she might be from the comics, but, you know, James Gunn casts his wonderful fiance, Jennifer Holland as that. She does an amazing job. Steve Agee as Economos, which, if it's a character, like, again, all these agent characters, if their characters are barely used, out of bio, I know was original for the show. Amanda Waller's barely sprinkled in a little bit there, and then, you know, the recurring characters. Overall, the show is great. The character moments are great. You really, like, John Cena put everything into acting as Peacemaker. He did a fantastic job. His scenes, he, he could play that funny, kind of jokey guy, that, you know, um, jerk kind of guy when he wanted to, but he could also play... You can see the sympathy in him. Even though he said, you know, I will kill any man, woman, or child. I will have to get peace. You could see that he he really, it hurts him to do that. Like, you could see, like, in certain scenes, like, uh, that just wasn't true, you know? And, like, why he kills and why he has this ideology and the way he's brought up. And it made him a very sympathetic character. I very much enjoy the series. Now that I've talked about that, I think it's time for us to get into a little bit of spoilers. So, I'm going to break it down by episode. First episode, oh, we have to talk about this. The dance introduction um, was amazing. The whole, do you really want to, do you really want to taste it? The soundtrack, of course, James Gunn went full glam metal on this for Peacemaker. And it worked perfectly. It was a beautiful soundtrack. It really played into the show because it wasn't just like, here's music along with this. This was like part of the show. The glam metal was part of the identity of the show. So that really worked really well. Every I, I don't even like think I have a gripe for the show. Like, I don't think there's a thing I liked. Didn't didn't like, I mean. Um, not like. I love the show. But um, so the show is pretty good. Um, the glam metal, the intro, of the dance intro with everyone from the cast doing... The movements was hilarious. I love John Cena's like, <laughs> oh the move. If you haven't seen the intro, do yourself a favor. I can't, you know, you're not gonna be able to watch me doing this podcast, so I can't just like mimic out the moves. But well, watch me right now. We might be getting camera set up later. But it was an amazing intro. It, he wanted to make an intro unskippable, and I believe he 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 did that for sure. I was not skipping this intro. It brought me so much joy every time I watched it. I couldn't take my eyes off it. The first time I watched the episode, I went to James on Instagram and watched the intro like 10 times in a row. Um, and like we'll just keep going back that first week because it's just so good. Um, the first episode, we finally get to see the aftermath of Suicide Squad where Peacemaker gets shot by Bloodsport. Spoiler. Sorry, I told you we were in a spoiler section. I'm going to spoil everything from here on out. Um, 
he got shot by Bloodsport. You get to see the aftermath. You get to see him survive. You get to see, basically, scene one, James Gunn basically calls out Peacemaker for being a racist through a janitor who's basically like, you only kill my, you know, you barely ever kill white people. You basically morally kill minorities. I've heard about you. And he's like, and you can see Peacemaker be like, all right, man. Because he was kind of friends with the janitor being like, I'll start, I'll start killing more white, you know, I'll start, I'll think less about it, you know, I'll get my quota up, basically, like, I'm gonna be more equal, and you get to see him escape and go home, and, like, the satisfaction of surviving, and what he thinks he's finally, you know, gotten away from the prison, only to find out that Harcourt, um, Harcourt, um, what, Economos, and the new recruit out of bio and Mern, who I haven't talked about, Clemson Mern, played by I do not know how to pronounce his name, so I'm gonna call him I'm just call him Mern. But the actor who plays Mern is going to be in um the new um, Guardians of the Galaxy as a as a different role. James Gunn said he's so good in Peacemaker that he cast him in Guardians of the Galaxy. I think his name is Chikwudi. Iwuji, I'm pronouncing that terribly. I'm so sorry to you, sir. You did an amazing job as Mern, this kind of drill sergeant kind of character who comes in, and it's just like no expressions on his face. They basically say, yeah, you're going to help us, or you're going back to prison. And Peacemaker, of course, helps. Sadly, you know, he doesn't want to. He, But he's like, oh, all right, first thing at first, I need to grab. He goes, you get to meet Peacemaker's dad, who is a leader of the KKK, I think I can say that on air, hopefully I can, it'll take me down, which, and basically makes all the helmets and gear for Peacemaker, you find out his dad was a supervillain called the White Dragon, and a giant racist, and he also kept Peacemaker's eagle, Eagly, who gives him a hug first episode, it was beautiful, then we get to see Peacemaker, I don't even remember, it, it's all kind of blurs together, I just know the next episode, he, they end up going to, uh, they, oh, yeah, the first episode, Peacemaker, still getting out of prison, first time in like a couple years, he tries to hit on Hardcore, Hardcore's not falling for it, he ends up going to the place of another chick at the bar, who ends up trying to kill him after they have a fun night, and in a great scene, you can see Peacemaker get his butt handed to him by some creature we don't even understand. And then Peacemaker Sonic Boom helmets her to death. Like, you can just find out what the helmets are finally for. That man, I mean, basically exploded her to chunks. And that's how our first episode ends. And with that being said, I think I'm going to head to another break. So you sit back and relax. And I will be back in two minutes. But I'm trying to see a colorful bird. The colorful bird I'm trying to see is Eagly the Eagle. What a great name. Um, that leads us to episode two. Welcome back to the Multiversal Podcast, where we get us meet Vigilante. I think we kind of sort of meet him in episode one, but we're really going to meet him in episode two, where basically after Peacemaker blows his girl to bits, the team scrambles to try to get him out of there, out of this building before the cops show up and his car is there and stuff. And so what ends up happening is Peacemaker gets out. He, the team ends up extracting him. But in the meantime, um, Economos, the team's tech guy, plants um, the name of uh, 
basically changes Peacemaker's car name, who who they basically strike as the person who killed this lady, who was like this kind of alien creature, as Peacemaker's dad, who is a racist and should be in jail, but that doesn't really bode well over with Peacemaker when he's going to find out. Mern isn't too happy about that. Um, they basically end up getting him out, and then they go on their next mission, which is they he has to assassinate Senator Goff and possibly his family. So he goes over there. Goff and his family are all normal. He has the little sniper gun in. And he's a little mad Peacemaker is because he doesn't have the double piece. And basically, Goff and his family start pouring stuff into a bowl. And just these long tongues come out, which we find out they're, they're trying to hunt down these butterflies, right? We don't know what butterflies are. Um, Peacemaker can't take the shot because those are little kids. Like, he just uh, he doesn't understand why, you know? Like, he doesn't understand why he had to kill these people. You know, he's just been told. He doesn't do it. Vigilante shows up. Bam, bam, bam. Doesn't kill Senator Goff. Um, Judo Master, who recurs throughout the series, played that the great Nut Lee, um, ends up fighting them, knocking a bunch of them out. I think he knocks out Vigilante. Vigilante and Peacemaker end up getting captured by Goff, Senator Goff, who proceeds to rip off Vigilante's mask. Um, Vigilante is just as crazy as Peacemaker, believing, you know, you can't see underneath my mask, you know, my secret identity. He tries to do all these facial exercises so he can't recognize them. And then ends up, like, almost cutting off his toe in interrogation for Peacemaker. Peacemaker doesn't care. He's like, I won't tell you anything for freedom. Of course, Vigilante wants him to, you know, not let him cut off his toe. He's not very happy about that. They end up, um, escaping, getting the bullet through the thing, shooting Goff in the head where he sees a butterfly fly out of his skull. And that's where the episode kind of ends with them escaping. The next episode, Peacemaker finds out that his, you know, father is put in prison by his supposed friends, his new friends. He's not very happy about that with Economos. Um, and keeps insulting him, as he does, because he's a little bit of a bully. And Vigilante, seeing how upset Peacemaker is, and knowing his dad's a bad guy, P- Vigilante also, they're both insane men, but Vigilante's like, I don't know if he's more sane or more insane. Vigilante doesn't have, like, he, he doesn't have, like, the vow of Peacemaker. He just kills people that do bad things, but, like, he sees Peacemaker's dad as a bad guy. Like, he will kill you if you do marijuana. It was before, you know, it was legalized in certain states. They have a scene that calls back to that. Um, basically, he decides, I'm going to go into prison and mess with his dad. I'm going to get myself sent to prison. He does, not in vigilante costume, of course, in his civilian. Messes with the white supremacists in the prison. His dad basically finds out that that's Chris's friend and is going to rat because he's like, oh, check the prints. They aren't my prints. And also in the scene where earlier where Peacemaker ends up escaping after accidentally killing the girl who turned out to be a butterfly for the Sonic Boom, we get to see our introduction of the cop character in Peacemaker, who is played by Annie Chang, who's Sophie Song, um, Detective Sophie, um, or Detective Song, who is great, always on the tail. Basically... You know, she's a good cop, and so when he, when Peacemaker dad said, check the prince, she does, and it's like, yo, we got the wrong guy, it's his son, we gotta go get him, 
we got to let him free. And that's when Mern makes a call and basically, well, Burn makes a call and basically gets this other weird kind of cop to basically say, oh, you're right, but nope, we're not letting him free. And, or, or we're not going after Chris, basically. You know, he was the he was the guy that should be in jail. Basically, what ends up happening is, um, Vigilante screws with Peacemaker's father. Peacemaker's father finds out. Vigilante ends up getting bailed out. Um, Peacemaker's like extremely sad at the father thing. They end up going on a mission the next episode to a factory that they believe the butterflies are at. They st- there's a bunch of them. They start killing them. There's like a fermenting factory where they believe. This is where they get their food source from, which is the only food source they have. They end up having to fight a giant gorilla butterfly monkey hybrid and end up defeating them through a chainsaw through the chest by Economos in the last minute save after everyone gets their butt handed to them by this gorilla. Um, Peacemaker and Economos end up stop ribbing at each other. Peacemaker kind of forgives them for the father thing. Um afterwards um peacemaker ends up well afterwards they end up like becoming friends actually become a tight-knit group and then you see at the end of the episode that peacemaker has a helmet that is x-ray vision and um Odebio, the new character who is amanda waters amanda waller's daughter who had kind of her own agenda for being there and isn't really like train killers like most people are like tech guys or stuff like that you don't really understand why she's there really well they don't understand why they're there the main characters who you understand because it is um what's her name amanda waller's daughter and so she obviously wants her there to be her eyes she doesn't trust any of these people well she puts on peacemaker's x-ray vision and finds out that Mern is a butterfly so you know Mern ends up like chasing after her to end the episode Next episode picks up with you basically finding out that Mern, that basically Harcourt knows that Mern was a butterfly this whole time. Mern was basically had defected from the butterflies and was trying to stop them and knows that we need to kill basically this giant, what they call a cow, which is how they get their food source. Um, we end up keep going. Uh, there's a really funny bit where Peacemaker goes to the janitor's daughter's school for show and tell as a superhero, or, the, or like career day, and ends up it's a really funny scene. He talks about Justice League members, basically bad mouse like almost every Justice League member in the show. It's words I cannot repeat, sadly, on the show. Most of these quotes I cannot quote because it's just too crude for air. Um, basically, they find out about Mern being a butterfly. Um, I, I think in that episode, John Cena finds, or Peacemaker, Christopher Smith, John Cena plays Christopher Smith, finds out um, about Mern being a butterfly. I don't exactly remember. Sorry. It's eight episodes kind of, it all kind of blends together in the end. Um, they basically are deciding, oh, we got to get this cow. And at the same time, um, Sophie Song and her partner are like, screw this. I'm going to get a warrant to arrest Christopher Smith because this new guy's not letting me. Basically took over the guy Mern got. Um, well, this whole time, Peacemaker never killed Goff, the original butterfly, the senator. He had been keeping him, you know, 
together. And so Vigilante knew this. Their team didn't. When Sophie basically tries to arrest Peacemaker, they end up escaping, but Vigilante, who has Goff tied onto him in a jar, falls out of the tree, um, and Sophie ends up pulling a gun out on him, but Goff gets out and inserts himself into Sophie becoming a butterfly, and he's kind of like the leader butterfly of them all. So she ends up like convulging to where like Peacemaker and Vigilante end up getting away. The other cop they had put in charge, the kind of like creepy guy, he's very creepy. I don't know the actor's name, but he is like a perfect horror movie actor. Like his just facial expressions are just so scary. Ends up killing a couple other cops. They end up getting away. You get to see Eagly in action. And I mean, Eagly is a bad guy, bro, or bad bird to say the least. Speaking of birds. But I'm trying to see a colorful bird. And I'm trying to see Eagly fight, man. He was ripping out eyeballs, just scratching the face. I mean, he was taking people down. They end up escaping um, by Mern's guys. But with Goff now in control of Sophie's body back in a body, he calls the rest of the butterflies down. They take over the whole police station, including the guy Mern had tapped. And now they know about Peacemaker and everybody's on to him. So they're going to go protect Cal. Um, and at the same time, um, his dad ends up getting out of prison. Um, Peacemaker's dad does with a warrant from um, Sophie before she end up trying to arrest Chris. She ends up, uh, they basically end up, so now we had the police force that led all taken over by butterflies, led by Sophie, going to try to take them out and try to move the cow, which is their only life source, because we basically find out that the whole reason that they're there is because their planet was dying. So they came to this one, as Mern said, to take over power. But the problem is they don't have everything. This planet is perfect except for their food. So they brought the cow from this other thing, from the from their other planet, as, and that's their only food source. So if they don't have that, they will die. Um, and Peacemaker's dad and all his KKK friends end up suiting up to go kill Peacemaker for his dad and putting him in prison. Um, and that's where episode six ends up going off. And I think I'm going to go ahead and hit my next ad break. And I'll be back to finish the Peacemaker recap. We are back for our final part of our Peacemaker recap. We got two more episodes, including the finale, which most of you haven't seen. If you, cause I, ju- I mean, I just watched it earlier this morning. So if you haven't seen it. You might want to turn off the station when I get to that part, but we end up going to episode seven. Um, with basically all the butterflies trying to lead off and then Peacemaker's dad wanting to kill Peacemaker. Also, forgot to tell you that we did have a past flashback for Peacemaker during these episodes where um, you basically find out why Peacemaker does everything. It's because he had a brother that his dad basically would force them to fight for like bets and stuff like that. He accidentally killed him with a punch and... He vowed that I will now that no life will lose like that ever again. I will fight for peace and, you know, kill as many people think so this never happens again, basically. Kind of a weird vow, but that was his vow. Um we basically see all the butterfly cops converge onto the building where Harcourt and Adebayo and Myrn are staying. is trying to leave. She's like, I'm done with this. You basically find out that Peacemaker's journal, that diary he had, that Adebayo had basically stolen and read on his file. 
Um, she planted it back in Peacemaker's house, and it was read on the news and basically made Peacemaker, like, the national enemy of the state, of, like, all the surrounding states. That's probably a bad sentence, but, you know, whatever. Um, they end up, so the cops end up verging on there. Adebayo and Harcourt end up getting out, but Mern ends up dying, um, and his butterfly is killed. It's a very sad scene. He is shot a bunch of times. Um, they give him, like, a warrior's... They don't even give him a warrior's death because he... Or, like, let him find another body. Um, basically, what ends up happening... They gave, like, a funeral... Or not really a funeral, but, like... Harcourt holds Mern. It's just very sad. Very sad scene. And then, uh... Judo Master comes back for, like, the third fight. He came back a couple other times. And the final, like, final big fight for him... He ends up fighting Harcourt. And... Adebayo basically takes out Adebayo first. It's basically him versus Harcourt. Um, Harcourt almost wins, but um, it looks like Judah Master is going to get the better of him. And then Adebayo comes out of nowhere and tases him like 15 times. They end up escaping. Um, then on the other side, you got Peacemaker, Economos, and Vigilante ends up getting ambushed by um, Peacemaker's dad in the full red dragon costume. As I mentioned earlier, Peacemaker Sad made all the weapons for and helmets and stuff for Peacemaker. So he basically has a tracker on it. They end up fighting. Um, Vigilante ends up almost blowing himself up in, in self-defense to help the other guys. Ends up get, surviving, getting in a car, and trying to drive off. While, by the way, during this, Peacemaker and Economos are stuck in the woods, like hiding from the KKK. They realize they're tracking him through the helmet, so they put the helmet on a raccoon. The raccoon starts rattling away. The dad almost falls helmet. They're almost about to get away. And they end up finding Vigilante in the car, who's very beaten up at this point, like barely staying conscious. But ends up, uh, he ends up getting, going far. But then they realize, oh shoot, Vigilante goes, oh, I thought your helmets were expensive, so I put them in the trunk, basically. And his dad is a tracker on the helmets. KKK um, ends up getting catching up to them. Eagly tries to pick at the White Dragon, Peacemaker's dad. Um, gets pimp slapped, almost dead, killed because his dad's like super powerful armor. His dad's like stomping on Peacemaker's chest, trying to about to kill him, giving this whole Cain and Abel speech, you know, because he's all God fearing and and a racist on top of that, and basically saying all the bad things Peacemaker does. Um, earlier on in the season. When, um, Vigilante ended up seeing the White Dragon armor and said, you know, there's a bunch of holes in that. There's a bunch of, like, you know, parts where of the armor we can get through. And sure enough, he comes out of nowhere with a knife, stabs him in the weak part of the armor, basically shuts it down. And Peacemaker is able to beat his dad to a pulp um, while Economos ended up taking a Uzi and shooting up all the KKK members. His dad's like, you're too much of a wimp. You know, I own you. I own everything in your head. I made you. You're not going to be able to kill me. And Peacemaker shoots him dead. And then you end up seeing Eagly ends up surviving. They take him to a veterinarian. Um, Peacemaker is very mad at bio for leaking things. Because you know, my friend. I thought we were friends. Um, team isn't very happy with Adebayo. But they kind of like forgive him because of the bigger task at hand. Plus Merge's dead. And Harcourt ends up becoming the leader of the team. And they decide, oh, we got to kill this cow. Well, you see at the end of the episode, the butterfly is trying to teleport the cow. Um, 
well, the cow's this giant alien kaiju kind of like thing. Like, it really can't move, but they're like milking it for the thing. And so what ends up happening, final episode, we come in, we get to see Peacemaker and Autobio aren't doing very well together. We get to this final climactic battle. We get to see Adebayo call in her mom, basically say, hey, it's basically us five against a giant army of alien butterflies and this cow we have to kill. If we don't kill this here, this is our only opportunity we start fair one. So, you know, you might want to send a backup. We don't really see if she does or not. So we end up getting the final fight. They take like a whole bunch of time trying to get this walkie-talkie in so they can, like, hear what's going on. They fail multiple attempts. Eventually, they get a Konamos. They... Peacemaker stabs one of the butterflies and gets a suit. The Conmos goes in. He sees the giant kaiju, starts freaking out. He leaves, like, the bag with the helmet in there. Oh, well, they, no, they want to put the helmet in there because it's a sonic boom helmet. And, this, and it did blow up a butterfly before. And they think, you know, it's an easy way. It's a they'll distract the butterflies and all this stuff. So, basically, they get it in there. Um, the butterflies find out that Conmos is not one of them. Start jumping on him. Looks like Conmos is dead. And they finally get to the walkie-talkie say Sonic Boom. All of them realize, oh, shoot, they may kill the cow, which is like a giant kaiju. Conmos is, like, freaking out because of that, because of, like, a throwback to the Suicide Squad. Whenever Starro came out, he's like, oh, my gosh, it's a kaiju. So that was very funny, very cool callback. Um, they Sonic Boom three times, end up killing a bunch of butterflies. And, like, basically shutting down the tele... Almost shutting down the teleporter that they had used to teleport the... the What's it called? The main... The um, cow. Which is not a cow, but they call it a cow. Um, they end up... Peacemaker, Harcourt, and Vigilante go in. Just start slicing and dicing all these um, butterflies. I mean, I'm pretty sure I saw Vigilante cut his head off, cut his arm. You're taking headshots, knives to the face like, crushing all the butterflies as soon as they get out. Uh, Peacemaker had a shield for some reason and threw the shield up in the air, shot it, and it went, like, into the head of a, of a butterfly person. It was awesome. Great fight scene. She basically tells Peacemaker, hey, go, um, go protect the, um, go, go kill the cow. So Peacemaker goes down, he ends up falling through the stairs, through a bunch of floors, and gets stuck under a bunch of rubble. Um, Vigilante gets shot. He falls down. Harker hits shots like two or three times. and falls down. Looks like she's dead. Adebayo sees this. Her and um, Economist are held back. She runs out to go help. Um, Harcourt ends up shooting a bunch of butterflies. Stops the butterfly from entering. Harcourt ends up um, surviving. The Well, she ends up not surviving, but she basically tells him, go help Peacemaker. Economos tries to stop her from running, breaks his leg, and ends up crawling out there to try to help Harcourt with a broken leg with a splint on. She goes down there. It looks like she's going to help Peacemaker out of bio. going to help Peacemaker out of the grubble, but it's not out of bio. It is Sophie's song, The Butterfly. It's Goff. Um, Goff ends up taking, helping Peacemaker out, but not hurting. They fight, but like she's like, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to tell you what I told Judah Master to come to our side. And at this moment, Adebayo gets down there. She has one of Peacemaker's helmets on, a one that they haven't tested out yet called Human Torpedo, where you basically go head first and fly at whatever your target you're aiming at. She ends up hitting the wall hilariously, almost knocks herself out. They end up 
going down to see the cow. There's it's the crazy cop guy who's now a butterfly. So, um, Sophie Song, golf butterfly. The peacemaker left. She's like, look, we need three people to teleport this thing. And he's like, I'm not going to help you. She's like, no, I'm going to tell you why you're going to help us. You know, when we came to your planet, we came because um, our planet was dying and your planet had everything we needed except for, you know, food source, which we blasted away. We brought the cow. We want to teleport her to Maine. Well, when you, um, when you guys, when we got here, we realized that we had enough food for like 100 years. But we only realized that we're not going to get there because you guys are on the same track as us and you're going to kill your planet through a bunch of crappy leaders and nonsense and stuff, throwing stuff away. So we decided at that moment that we're going to do everything in our power to save your planet, no matter how many people we had to kill. And that's why they always become butterflies and like get into the stuff and get into people's brains, basically take over for what they feel like it's the better good of your people and our people. Well, Peacemaker made a very similar vow. You kind of see the flashbacks. It looks like he's going to go to um, to Goff's side. And he basically ends up um, saying, Abadabio ends up crawling out of the thing, seeing this happen. And he goes, activate human torpedo. You see Adabio go through the giant cow, kaiju, um, end up falling out, killing it. Peacemaker shoots the one cop. He shoots Goff in the stomach, doesn't shoot, kill the butterfly. You see the butterfly fly away. And they end up killing the cow, saving the day. And when they come out, Harcourt is uh, almost dead. And they're lifting her and walking back. And possibly the greatest moment ever. Um, you see the Justice League, Aquaman, Flash, Wonder Woman, Superman, fly down. Waller had sent him in for backup. And Peacemaker's like, you got here too late. And basically says, Aquaman, go smash a fish. And Aquaman's like, I hate that rumor. And then and it's Jason Momoa Aquaman. And Barry Allen, played by Ezra Miller, goes, it's not a rumor. And he says, screw you, Flash. And that's how it's seen. You don't see the face of Wonder Woman Superman, but it's like the silhouettes. Like, basically, they're in the same universe. You know, it was confirmed, but, like, you really got to see him interact for the first time, which is great. Um, they end up going back. Um, Harcourt ends up making it out. Um, Adebayo ends up basically pulling the rug out from under her mom and telling everyone about Task Force X and Peacemaker and how they were undercover operatives and stuff like that. That they were the good guys. Um, she ends, which shocks her mom. Um, Peacemaker looks like he's just free, but he kind of has him killing his dad really messed him up. And now he has, like, thoughts of his dad beside him the whole time, like, almost in his head, like, as, like, the devil on his shoulder. You see Goff at the end come over to Peacemaker's house, and he gives him a little bit of the goop he has left. He's not going to kill Goff. Goff's not going to try to become him the Peacemaker. Or he's easily going to die, or Ely's going to eat him. And he's letting Goff live his last couple days as a butterfly. Um, Economos ends up setting him a new job. Very, He's happy because he has... Um, friends now in a very touching scene he said why he dyed his beard which is a running joke for the show but um, it was a running joke for the show but it was a very funny bit that they did um, with 
um, his dyed beard and like they explained in the last episode is very touching moment. Um, you end up seeing at the end of the series, Pete Vigilante ends up getting out of the hospital, jumping out like he normally does, just out of the window. And the final shot is Peacemaker, his basically the ghost of his dad, and Goff kind of sitting there at his house, just looking out. There's a lot of touching moments. The, the one that touched me at the series that I really liked the most was they had a moment with, uh, I think it was episode six or seven that ended basically with Peacemaker almost unable to come up with his emotions and like very sad and him basically sitting on it and started started playing a piano of his glam rock song and a very like it was just a beautiful scene the way it was shot John Cena actually played the piano there was just a lot of just harrowing like mo- James Gunn just really knows how to show you without telling you these moments where it's just these beautiful scenes where you can see the characters' facial expressions and stuff in anguish, but but there's no dialogue, you know? And overall, I'd have that's I for me it was a perfect way to in, to show that like represented the series for me of this kind of like insane character, but also is human. Um, it is coming back for season two. It was a very good series. I'm very excited to see what they do. James Gunn is gonna write and direct all season two. Um He's supposed to be writing another Suicide Squad spinoff, too. It was very touching. I think it might be one of my favorite superheroes. It's definitely one of my favorite superhero series ever. I give it, like, a 9 out of 10. Um, overall, I would recommend anybody to watch this if you want. It's your choice. I I don't know if it's the best. I think Daredevil is still my favorite. But it's definitely up there for some of the best superhero s- series I've ever seen. Give yourself a favor and watch it if you haven't. If you want me to talk about it more, I will. In another week, if you want to get someone to come on and talk to me about it, you know, we can talk about stuff. If there's something I miss, you know, tell me about it. But that's going to be the end of our recap. I think, also, sorry if you kind of heard the start of Benny and the Jets. I don't know why that played. But for some reason, it started to. So now we're going to go ahead and get into our ad break. You're going to hear a two-minute PSA, and I will be back with the year, the recap of the year. So, but don't go anywhere. Are you kidding? You just saved me. I'm free. I'm free. Oh, what a great movie that was, you know, the never-ending story. But I think now, in our last hour, our first two-hour show, first ever time, we are going to go over the the last year in comic book movies and stuff like that. I have a whole list of stuff written down. We're going to recap it. January, we had WandaVision, came out of last year, great show, there was a lot of hype behind it, it set up a big for the Multiverse of Madness, overall I give it like a 7 out of 10, it did a great job, the way it built its characters up, I felt like the suspense was good, I felt like it did kind of fall flat in the second half though, especially near the end, I felt like it was still a great show, but overall my problem with this and most of the Marvel shows, I just don't feel like they've really been able to to stick any of their landings, but um, had great moments, the White Vision moment, when they brought back Evan Peters as Quicksilver, only to throw him away for a joke. It was very sad, but it was cool to see him again. They teased the multiverse, really didn't do anything with it. The last scenes of the show is very sad, with her having to give up Vision and her kids, but she did it for the right thing to let go of the people. Overall, it was a great series. 
um, we're going to see the kind of conclusion of it in Doctor Strange's Wanda coming back. First time we've seen her since WandaVision. Um, overall, I give the series like 7 out of 10. 6, six 7 out of 10. There were some really emotional good episodes. Honestly, though, I really didn't like Agatha as the villain. I wish they would have just doubled down on Wanda because I'm a comic nerd. And in the comics, Wanda does far worse things than what she did in Westview. And kind of becomes a villain. Not really a villain. Like, you still feel for her and you understand her as a hero. But, like, she kind of has a mental breakdown and kind of does these things. So, when they brought Agatha in, I was just like, man, they can't ever just make her full villain. Especially since she's kind of, like, hyped up to be kind of like a villain in Multiverse of Madness. Like, mix of hero and villain. So, I was kind of hoping they'd double down on it. But, I digress. It was overall a really good series. Which also led us to our first show that wasn't Marvel. Or movie that was in Marvel last year, um, Invincible. Oh my goodness, what a great series! I had basically picked up Invincible on a whim last year because I knew they were making a show, and I had it free on Comicsology, and I just absolutely binged the comics. I loved them so much. I was so excited for the series. I was telling everyone before it came out, I'm like, this is going to possibly be the best series of 2021. Mark my words. And sure enough, it came out, I think, did it come out in January or March? I, it definitely didn't come out in February. I think it came out in March, like around my birthday. I may be jumping forward on it, but I'm just going to anyway because Invincible is just so good. Eight episodes, 40 minutes long. The animation was solid. wasn't spectacular. It wasn't bad. Um, the fight scenes looked great. I wish they would have done a little bit more on the animation, but I get it because it's a new show. Don't want to spend too much money, so they didn't. Um, we ended up seeing, like, I mean, it was blood and guts all over. They went full Invincible, full hardcore. It basically only did, like, the first 12 or 13 issues. They sprinkled in some plot lines later on, but nothing too far with, with the robot plot line of him becoming the clone of Rexplode in the first season. We got to introduce the, what's his name? The, ah, uh, Battle, Battle Cat. No, what's his name? Why am I blanking out on this? The... Way earlier than normally did, but uh, people are going to not like me for not knowing this character's name, which I know him because he's a great character down the line. I'm going to look this up, but while I, I'm going to stall a little bit, overall, the great series, the great, um, it was a great continuation of, uh, it, it, the, it was a great um, adaptation, I mean, of the first like eight issues. They really hit that plot line of Omni-Man being evil perfectly. J.K. Simmons and CMU did a great job, especially J.K. Simmons. I mean, just brought that character out to life, basically, you know. Um, they did a great job. The Mala twins were hilarious. The whole twin plot line. I'm very excited for next season where they go. I hope they bring in... Um, Angstrom Levy and uh, Conquest. I feel like those are too great. Like my thing is like people are freaking out now. I'm like you should see what they have in store for you down the line because man, they have some Battle Beast. That's who it is. Battle Beast is the cat character. But like people who are who are excited for that, just wait till they see what down the line because it is like the tip of the iceberg for this. People are already loving this. This is. Just, this is just one small chapter in a great epic 
Invincible. I'm very excited for season two. It looks like it's going to come out 2023, which kind of sucks. But they already renewed season two and three. Hopefully, we'll see four and five. I want this to go on forever. I would be fine with 10 seasons of Invincible because it's just it's a perfect comic. It's a perfect show. It's like my third favorite comic all time. Fourth or third. It's like fourth or third. Um, but yeah, that was great. Then we got Falcon and Winter Soldier, which is a great series. I liked it more than WandaVision. That's an unpopular opinion. I thought episodes one through five were absolutely solid. They built it up perfectly. I did feel like it fell flat in the ending a little bit because John Walker, the mix of having um, the Flag Smashers and John Walker as the villains, while it kind of like back and back, was really good. Especially the episode where Bucky and um, Sam fought John Walker was that fight choreography was insane. The whole you know basically keeping the state down, especially after they killed Battlestar. Um, the girl did, and he had to, like, fight for the shield and had, you know, the Super Soldier Syndrome basically in him. You can see how kind of, like, insane he went. I thought the actor who played um, U.S. Agent, kind of the new Captain America, John Walker, did a great job. I'm also blanking out on his name, um, but I'll know it in a couple minutes. But overall, I thought it was a solid inclusion. I thought it was overdue for Falcon and Bucky to get their own shows. Um, but, oh, that's right, Wesley played U.S. agent. Um, I thought the Bucky storyline was great. I thought the storyline with Sam, you know, and kind of like the, you know, what it means as to be a black Captain America was also done amazingly well. I thought the only weak point of the series for me was the Flag Smasher part, which I thought was, it was good up until the last episode where they decided to kind of storm the Capitol. It kind of fell flat in that part because... They were good villains, but they weren't strong enough to be on their own. And so when that happened, and basically the last episode, it was everyone versus them. They kind of fell apart, even though they did good. And I did think it was kind of lame that um, Carly, the leader of the Flag Smashers, ended up getting killed. That was very sad. I thought she could have been used more. I thought she may have been used because she was like super soldier in like Thunderbolts or something. But... And then also the twist villain of Sharon Carter being the, um, I don't know, power broker. I didn't really care for that much. I don't really care. I mean, I know they're setting her up for Armor Wars. Maybe there's a better payoff in that. But for Falcon and Winter Soldier, there wasn't much payoff for it. So it really didn't matter to me. I mean, I understand because, you know, she sacrificed her life for Captain America and basically can't even let be let back into the country. This country basically shafted her for her help in Civil War, which I did like the effects of that. Everything they did, they did everything right. Just some stuff kind of fell flat. I do like what they're setting up with bringing in U.S. Agent. It's almost setting up the Thunderbolts with uh, Valentina Allegra DeFonte, I think is her name or something like that. Valentina, basically. Um, I am hoping they're setting up um, Joaquin Torres as like the new Falcon. That would be very exciting. Um, but overall, I thought they did a great job on the series. There's some really touching parts. There's some parts that like hurt, especially Bucky's story with him killing the son of his old World War II friend veteran was done great. Overall, I give that series a seven or an eight out of ten. I think it's better than WandaVision. It might be my favorite one. It's not. It's up there. They're all pretty good. I think WandaVision's like a little tier below, but overall, I think they're all done pretty well. Um, next, we had. Loki, 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 oh yeah, the summer show, I'm pretty certain, I don't remember what month it came out in exactly, but 
That was done amazingly. I remember watching that back to back to back to back. I wasn't like the ultra super excited about Loki, but they did a great job in building that story, especially once they used basically TVA is not really known that well in the comics. It, it's like there's no there wasn't much storyline they could have used there, and they built their own, and it worked. Um, using the female Loki, um, what's her Sylvie? It's Sylvie. It's Sylvie. I know the character's name. Sylvie was great. The whole twist of having her in as like the better Loki. I thought overall the show was good. I didn't feel like the buildup was as good as Falcon and Winter Soldier, but the difference was it had a great payoff. It had like an amazing payoff. Let me go back. When I said Peacemaker is 9 out of 10, I give it a 9.5. Because I think Loki's like an 8 to a 9 out of 10. Because the ending, the way it set it up, especially because it was set up to be a season 2, was that amazing? The episode where they went to like the end of the time and had the other Loki variants, especially the classic Loki variant, was awesome. And the kid Loki, I thought more Mobius was awesome. Um, what's her name? I think it's Ringslayer, who was a Renslayer, was the judge. She was fine. Um, she did a good job. She was kind of mysterious, so um, that was cool. Um. All the other characters were fine. There wasn't like anybody that like really stood out of the TVA other than Mobius, to be honest. Um, but the the what really stuck out to me was that last episode where they finally went to because uh, like the TVA stuff was cool, but like when they finally went to like the end of time and got to see Jonathan Majors as Immortus or the one above all, or whatever his name was, basically Kang, but wasn't Kang. And he basically said, you know, I know your every move. You're not going to be able to beat me. You know, you have two options. I don't know what's going to happen in, like, a little while longer. So you can kill me, and you take over the TVA, and, you, wait, you can you can either help become me, you could kill me and take over my position, or you could become my right-hand man, you take over the TVA like you want. And you help me do what I'm already doing, which is basically pruning the timelines to keep it the one singular timeline. Or you can not and let all the timelines emerge and a million other me's that are far worse than me get out and you got to deal with me all over again. Either way, I win. Basically, the whole last episode basically set up for him and his like almost like spine chilling performance was awesome, especially when he got the the disagreement between Tom Hiddleston's Loki and Sophia DiMartino's so Sylvie, other, you know, the opposite Loki, was great um, to where they fought, and basically Sylvie ends up winning, kills him, he smiles in his death, which is just the perfect end, and then you get to see all the timelines merge, and when Loki goes back to the TVA, it's not his TVA, it's Kang's TVA. That was amazing. I was very happy about that. And ultimately, it ended really well. Um, set up for season two. And also kind of set up Sam and the Wasp with the regular Kang. And I can't wait for that. Um, I think that's going to be the end of my first part of the recap. We're going to end up going to a PSA break. And I will be back. We are back. <laughs> oh yeah, you love that sound bit right there. Um, we're gonna go ahead and hit the back. We hit it in the end of Loki. Now I'm gonna go ahead and jump in a little bit of movies and then hit back with the TV. 
Black Widow came out next or around that time. I may have, like, skipped it. I don't know. Black Widow came out in May. I know that. I ended up renting this one, staying at home. First big Marvel film I did not see in theaters. Um, It was good. It really set up kind of the future with Yelena. That was the main point of that movie. Um, It was good performances. I really liked David Harbour. I thought um, Scarlett Johansson did a great job. I thought Florence Pugh did a great job. It was good acting all around. Um, I really liked the scene where she ends up breaking the mind control on the villain. I don't even remember his name. The guy who's like the head of all the Black Widows and like breaks her nose so she can like basically not smell the scent and be in control and just start beating the crap out of him. I thought that was awesome. Um, there was a lot of things I liked about this film, but ultimately I felt like I wish it would have came out like five years sooner. I feel like this film was done just way too late, especially after she was already dead. So we know this film had not too much of an impact on later MCU. It felt very disconnected. It was Dracoff, the guy who was like the head of the thing, by the way. Um, so the film felt very disconnected from the other films. I didn't really like it. Like most MCU films are kind of like set up the future. This really didn't know then having Elena in it. Um, Taskmaster overall was a very weak villain. Um, I felt like, you know, it being her daughter, I, I saw that twist coming from my way and I really didn't like it because I like the traditional Taskmaster is kind of like an insane guy who like he can remember all the moves and stuff. But at the same time, because of that, he's like his memory doesn't work. So I really didn't like that twist that much, but I thought the film was solid. I feel like if it would have came out after Civil War, before Infinity War, it would have been, a, it would have been taken a lot better but because it came out just so late I just don't feel like people liked it as well so because of that I have to give it like a 6 or a 7 out of 10 it was a good film if it came out a couple years earlier it would be like a 7 or an 8 the performances were solid it was fun watch it just didn't really have that much impact on the later MCU um then after that in August we had Shang-Chi um I absolutely love this film. Simu Liu is absolutely awesome. If I mispronounced your name, I'm sorry. I loved him in Kids Convenience. I was very excited when he got announced for this film. I thought he did a great job. I thought the villain of the of the Mandarin or Wen Wu was awesome. Um, I love that he's been like living for a thousand years. Doesn't even like claim the name of Mandarin. He thinks that's a joke. I love that too that he kidnapped the actual like Mandarin from Iron Man Three and made him like a clown. Because of, you know, him basically disrespecting him. I loved all that. The villain, the fights between him and Chung-Chi were done beautifully. The action was great in this movie because of the traditional actual martial arts, which I love. Um, I loved them going to Tai Long. Um, actually fighting the dragon and fighting all like the kind of face suckers that they had that they released. And Chung-Chi actually getting on the dragon in the end. Overall, this film is just great. Just go watch it. Well, if you want to. If you want to, go watch it. Because, man, oh, I can't tell you to go watch it, but, man, I really wish I could right now. It's on Disney Plus right now in IMAX. You can watch it in IMAX. Do yourself a favor and watch this film. It's a great fun ride. It's one of the best origin films since, like, the start of the MCU. I'd say it's, like, top tier. Like, I think it might be the best origin film, period. I'll say that. I liked it better than the original Iron Man. You want to shoot me? Shoot me. I love this film. And I'm not afraid to say it. Um, next, we had, I think, What If was 
next in the timeline of like release date kind of thing. Oh wait, I'll, I'll get the DC at the end. I'll do. I'm gonna do all the Marvel. Well, no, no, no. It was a Snyder cut. The Snyder cut. I kind of skipped over that. I'm gonna go ahead and get it. Get this out of the way. I like the Snyder cut. Um, I do not like Zack Snyder's film directions. Most of the films I've watched him in, I absolutely despise. I do not like Batman vs Superman in the slightest. It is one of my least favorite films. It's like a five. It's not. It's not one of my least favorite films of all time. I won't say that because it's not that bad. But it just does those characters so dirty. I hate that Dark um, Doomsday is in it. Um, I really don't like that film. I watched it on my birthday when it originally came out. Um, it was a really bad taste in my mouth. But that being said, and I really didn't really care for the first cut of Justice League that much. That wasn't a good movie either. It was worse than, I, I don't know if it was worse than Batman. We'll see. I don't know. There was good parts in Batman Superman, but there were so many bad parts. There were just so many. Um... I think we're going to have an episode. I'm trying to make one right now. I'm going to get like three three other DJs from Weagle who, what I have found out, a lot of these people like this movie. So I want to argue with them, honestly. That's what I want to bring them to the studio for. But the Snyder Cut of Justice League is a four-hour-long movie. Um, it is, by far, knocks it way out of the park compared to the original cut. It is scary how much different it is. That actually makes Stephen Wolf like an intimidating villain that, like with his armor and stuff like that. Dark sides in it, which is just so cool, which is kind of sad. That's the only thing I'm sad about is that we never get to see. We're not gonna get to see Dark Side versus that version of the Justice League because it's probably not gonna happen anymore. Um, that's very sad for me. But overall, it was a it was a good cut of the film. If it wasn't four hours long, I'd give it like an eight or a nine out of ten. But because of the length and how unnecessarily long it is. There are shots in this film. There's like a three-minute portion where we pan on some random Norwegian chicks that Aquaman had like been in their village, and she sings for like three minutes. And we're panning just to the shots of this. We're not seeing Aquaman. We're not seeing anybody. We're just panning these. There'll be like just random shots of random people, not our main characters, random people. The movie's four hours long, and if you sit and watch it in one take, like I did, it feel you 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 want this movie to end. I swear, I've heard this dang Wonder Woman theme like 50 times during that film which it's cool the first time you hear it but like the 50th times like oh my goodness why do you keep playing this it almost gets like tedious and annoying and like hilariously bad at some points like it's not a bad film it's actually done really well but because of the length and how unnecessarily long it is like it, it like there's certain films that's like okay it should be four hours this film should not be four hours I don't even know if it should be three hours I would give it like a two and a half three hour max length and I think it'd be fine if you cut, like, half those shots of people just staring for 30 minutes. There's some unnecessarily plot lines. I absolutely hate the final scene of the film where Batman dreams the nightmare timeline and Joker and him have some back and forth with him and Jared Leto. I don't like that. I, I don't like it at all. I don't like Jared Leto and the Joker, personally. So I especially did not like that scene. Um, but overall, the film was really good. The Everything with the Flash and Cyborg was amazing. Um, I would have given it, like, an 8 or a 9, maybe even a 9 on a good day if it wasn't 4 hours long but because it's 4 hours long, I'm going to give it a 7 but it was a very good film, it was one of the better films of that year um, I think we kind of at the same time, right before Shang-Chi came out Suicide Squad came out um, Suicide Squad is a 9 it's great, it's one of the best superhero films ever rated, when I said my list last week, I was wrong I'm knocking out Spider-Man 2 even though I love that film and I'm putting the Suicide Squad in number 5 I don't know why I forgot that film existed, especially since I was watching Peacemaker, but it's so good. There's so many good moments 
and especially after watching Peacemaker, it just puts it even more into the fold. That film is a masterpiece. It is James Gunn's best. No rules, no um thing bogging him down. Bloodsport's amazing. Ratcatcher, almost like a brand new character, is amazing. Ratcatcher 2. Um, King Shark is absolutely hilarious. He's my boy. With Sylvester Stallone playing King Shark is so funny. John Cena's Peacemaker, as always, is great. Um, Joel Kinnaman as Rick Flag, also just amazing. Harley, it even got me to like Harley Quinn. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it a buck. I'm not the biggest Harley Quinn fan. If you know me, you know that. Um, I say it very often if you ask me about her, because you know she's become very popular as of recently. But she has done. Gr- she was great in that movie. I think Margot Robbie does a fine job. I just don't really like the character. Um, but I think Margot Robbie did a f- great job in that movie. Having Starro as the villain was so cool. There's not a bad thing I could say about that movie. It's a nine out of ten. It's great. Um, maybe one of these days I'll do a whole a rewatch and do a whole coverage on it. But for now, I'm just gonna leave it at that. It's great. Um, and then I'm gonna jump in. Um, well, no, yeah, I'm gonna jump in and do. Um, no, we're gonna go on break. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say one more thing on Suicide Squad. I don't know why I'm stalling for time because we're good, but I think Suicide Squad. It's solid ten out of ten. There's uh, nine out of ten. Why did I say ten? I'm I'm losing it here, guys. I've been talking for an hour and a half, and we'll keep it straight. But it's a great film. That's one that I also would say. I can't tell you to watch stuff, but I would strongly recommend that you watch it. But you do it. You have your own free will, so do what you will with that free will. But it is a great film that you should, if you have the time and you want to, go watch. Um, you don't need to really watch anything else before that. You can watch that on its own. James Dunn does a fantastic job. And you just you, if you're going to watch DC for now, and you almost have to watch that film because James Gunn has been almost handed the keys to the kingdom for like that portion of the DC universe. So, but it's a great film. Please, please, please do yourself a favor and watch it if you feel like it. But anyway, um, I think... I'm going to go ahead and head to an ad break, but I will be back afterwards. Let me find my next ad break. We'll be back. Uh, yo, we are back, baby. Yes, sir, we are back. I'm going to go ahead and talk about now. I'm going to go ahead and jump into What If. Um, great series. Probably the weakest of the Marvel series because it really didn't have much impact on the overall Marvel Universe. It might now, the Multiverse of Madness, but at the time, really didn't feel like it did. But it was an interesting take. There were some episodes that were boring. There were some episodes that were great. Um, the Strange Supreme episode with Doctor Strange just basically becoming all these like cosmic creatures and becoming ultra-powerful to try to save... Um, What's her name? Uh, this is just the episode where I forget everyone's name, apparently. Um, which is going to probably be every episode. Um, but he tries to save... Is it Rose? No. No, it's not Rose. But basically, he tries to save... It's Christine. Why did I think it was Rose? Christine. He tries to save Christine the whole time. was amazing. Um, especially with the end, with him basically like seeing the Watcher. And, um, you know, saying, help me, and he wouldn't. And basically, it's him and Rose at, like, the end of their universe, like, in this little bubble was amazing. 
because he couldn't do it because this was like a pivotal moment in time and that he almost like broke the rules for everything. Um, the Marvel Zombies episode was great. I love that one. Says it was a zombie Wanda. The Iron Man Killmonger episode was all right. Um, the second to last episode with Ultron taking over and like just, just cutting Thanos in half as soon as he stepped on Earth and getting all six Infinity Stones and getting that awesome armor over like the Vision armor was amazing. Um, the final episode was great where they brought all the different people. Um, all the different uh, people from, like, that you've watched. Like, Captain Carter's episode was good. It wasn't great. Um, let me go. Captain Carter's episode was good. It wasn't great. It was a solid episode. It was, pretty, it was really heartwarming, especially because of um, Chadwick Boseman's death. The episode where all the Avengers died, and it was kind of like Nick Fury versus everyone, was interesting. Doctor Strange episode was good. The Zombies episode was good. The Thor episode was just all right. It was a there there were none of them were bad. They were just like eh, it's like cool because like you're kind of running through these movies really quickly. So, um, but the final episode where especially after Ultron, where Ultron starts like just straight up fighting the Watcher and that whole scene or like going through reality was awesome. And then with all them fighting Ultron at the end and Doctor Strange basically coming crazy and basically at the end of the thing you get to see like. Zola versus Killmonger in like a struggle and Doctor that evil Doctor Strange kind of has to keep him there was awesome. That might have an effect on the Marvel Universe now. But overall the series was good. It's a, it's a fun watch if you want something, you know, just really comic booky to watch. Um I gave it like a six out of ten. Um let's go ahead and get it over with. Venom two. For the rest of this list, um, except for Hawkeye, I really didn't I alright, let me just go ahead and say it. I did not like Venom 2. That might be one of the worst films I've ever seen. I gave it a 4 out of 10. 4. And that's pretty low for me. I don't go lower than 4. Except for like 2016 Ghostbusters. Um, It wasn't just so bad like I couldn't watch it. It was just... They went all in on the jokes. And the PG-13 film rating really just didn't work with Carnage. And that's what my main gripe was. It's like, you're going to take a guy who's a serial killer... And you're going to give him the Venom symbiote. And he's not going to be eating people's head. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, he was just, like, weakly hitting people. Like, they really didn't make him carnage. I felt like the plot was, like, ultra weak. The whole Venom, um, Tom, uh, Eddie Brock thing, played by Tom Hardy, where, like, they were, like, n- like hating each other, which is kind of a lame plot. It was a really quick movie. It was a really short movie. I felt like it could have used the extra minutes. It went by really quickly. Um, the only thing that I really liked was the end scene where you got to teleport to the MCU. It was kind of cool. But, overall, I just didn't like the film. And we're going past that. I don't even want to get into it, honestly. It's, it's just really disappointing for me. Because I liked the first Venom that much. I thought it was a, a surprise. I did not think it was as bad as the critic painted. Which is funny, because it's the opposite. The critic said, this was good. And I said, no. This was not good. Um, go ahead and get into Eternals. Um, Eternals was... Of course, the first, it was touted as being like the next step of the MCU. They brought in Chloe Zhao, the director of Nomadland, who had just won the Oscar. It has this great cast of of all these like primetime actors. Angelina Jolie, you know, these Oscar-worthy. Richard Madden was like on an up-and-coming. Kit Harington from Game of Thrones was in it. Oh, Salma Hymek. Uh, who else was in this movie? Oh, uh. 
Kumatan. I don't know if I can pronounce that name, so I'm not going to try. Oh, but like, you know, they really hyped up Eternals. And honestly, it wasn't that good. It was fine. It wasn't great. I would say it's one of the weaker MCU films. I don't know if there's an MCU. It's like a 6 out of 10. 6 out of 10. And for MCU, um, I don't know. I would give like, I liked um, What If Enough, so I give like a 6.5. I give this a 6. It's not a bad film. It's like, it's passing, you know. But like for most MCU, if you're like a 6 out of 10, you're not good. Like if you're not, if you're like a 6 or a 7, like you're not, you're not doing, like 7's like, you're, you're solid. 6 is like, eh. Like, I would say the only weaker MCU films in Eternals is Thor 2, maybe, and definitely Captain Marvel. I really just did not like Captain Marvel. Um, but, yeah, it had this, like, you know, crazy cast. Kumal Nanjani was in it. You know, all these actors, they tidied it up. Super long film, 2 hours 37 minutes. It probably took those minutes from Venom. Kind of funny, just a little joke there. Um, but... The characters I liked were barely used, and the characters I really didn't care for, I felt like Icarus was like almost like cardboard. Wish they would have actually fleshed out his characters more. Um, Gilgamesh was great; they killed him off so quick. I was very sad about that. Um, Angelina Jolie was fine, but she was barely used. Like we focused on Cersei, who like really didn't do a lot during the whole film. We just kind of went away from Kit Harington as soon as it started, which sucked because I liked his character. Um, I felt like the whole deviant thing was um, is all right. I mean, the main gripe I have with it um, was, and I'll say this: the action in this film was good. I really liked the way they did speed with Makari. Um, I liked Druig. I did not like Sprite at all, but I think that was kind of the point of her character. Um, but the, my main gripe with this film is. The whole reason is, like, these Eternals are, like, almost like gods. And, like, this is the first time we're seeing them, even though they've been in the in the MCU longer than any other character ever. And, like, they're like, oh, we didn't help with Thanos. Because they, you know, they mentioned that. They say, you know, we don't help with Earthling problems. We only help with the Deviants. Well, here's the thing. Your whole guide here is to be, like, to, you know, um, Ajax knew it and um, Icarus knew. was basically the birth of Celestial. So you're, the reason you're killing deviants is because they're killing humans, and um, and basically, you want your celestial to be born, and so that you need that, you need more life, so the celestial can get the life force. So like you want the population to grow, you know, and so basically, it was very weird when Thanos kills half your population and puts not only your job but every other like eternal job back probably thousands of years why wouldn't you stop him when he wanted to kill half the universe like that doesn't even make sense not only that but the fact that in the comics thanos is an eternal and a deviant so like he's like also a mix of deviant where you would want to kill that guy in the comics but they just retcon that you know but no, i don't even know if they did because here's the thing in the um Harry Styles, who's Eternal, is the brother of Thanos at the end of the movie. So that does make him half Eternal, probably half Deviant. Because, like, we saw there was, like, a sentient Deviant when he started killing one of the Eternals, which, like, also was barely ever used. Bill Skarsgård was just ruined in that role. Um, 
I just, it just didn't really, it didn't make sense to me why, like, they wouldn't help. And so that's, for that reason, it just docks it down a couple points for me. I like the characters enough. I'll rewatch it. But overall, it's a 6 out of 10. It really doesn't add much to the MCU. It just feels kind of there, you know? It, it, I don't know. And plus, I wasn't really into the terms anyway, so I wasn't like, huge on it. Um, Next, we have our second to last thing for last year. Hawkeye. Oh my gosh. Such a good show. Ah. Everyone else probably didn't like Hawkeye that much, but I am the biggest Hawkeye fan. I loved it. I love that it gave me Wilson Fisk back. Even if they didn't do him the best justice, I still loved it because I love Vincent D'Onofrio. I love Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye. I love everything they did with it. I love the LARPers. I I love Echo, even though I really kind of wish she wouldn't be in that show. Had her own kind of deal with Daredevil instead, but Everything they did with her could. I wish they would have left half, most of the deleted scenes they had in there because they would have made so much more sense. Um, Kate Bishop was... I liked her a lot. I like Haley Steinfeld, so I love Kate Bishop. But that being said, a lot of people didn't. I know my friend Matt doesn't. But I I love Kate Bishop. Haley Steinfeld did a great job in that role. I, I really loved Swordsman Jack, um, played by... Uh, oh... It's he's Lalo off of Better Call Saul. I know my friend Matt will know that. Hola, soy Lalo or whatever he says. He's like, can I look at that? Show me, show me again. As uh, my Matt, my friend Matt's probably freaking out that I'm talking about this right now. Jack Duquois, Tony Dalton did a great job. Um, the only like critiques I would have, I wish they would have taken Fra Free as Kazi and gone full clown. They didn't. I was very sad about that. I hope he's not dead so they can do that for a season two because it just feels like there's going to be a season two of this show. There should be a season two. It's great. Um, Kingpin's not dead. Whoever says that, you're wrong. You don't see a body, he ain't dead. He coming back, for sure, in the Echo series. I love the series. Florence Pugh as Elena was also good. I did feel like it kind of got bogged down in the ending, but I feel like it was a solid ending. I felt like it was just a fun show. I give it like a seven or an eight out of ten. It wasn't perfect. It doesn't. It definitely didn't reach up to the levels of the comics, but it was still great. Um, and with that being said, I'm gonna go ahead and go to my last ad break. And when we get back, we're gonna talk about the biggest part of last year and, and close the show with Spider-Man No Way Home. So I will be back in like what two minutes. So stay right there. Yo 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 yo. We are. Back with our last like 10 minutes here of multiversal for the day. Let's go ahead and talk about Spider Man. Speaking of Spider Man, you know, I think I heard I heard Spider Man was there. <laughs> I love that sound, but yeah, Spider Man No Way Home was the high, most hyped film of the year. If I had this podcast started last semester, that's all you would have probably heard me talk about. Um, I love the film, I watched it like three or four, I think four times. I watched it four times in theaters. That's the most I've ever watched a film ever. I went to go see it opening night in Pennsylvania with my uh, family up there. Then as soon as I got back, I went to see it with my co-host of Beat Drop, Adrian. Then as soon as I got, then after Christmas, my grandma wanted me to take her to see it. So I took my grandma and my dad and I took, and my brother went, my cousins. And then as soon as I got back, I took my friends that originally were supposed to take. See, I saw it four times and it never got old. I, I can't say that for most films. It almost made my top five. Honestly, like, Suicide Squad might give up now. I don't know, man. I like them both. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Ah, they're so, so good. But Spider-Man was great. 
I love the whole darker direction they took Tom Holland's Spider-Man. I love, I love, like, I don't love, like, Spider-Man always to be dark, you know? That's not my thing, but I love him to be taken to that dark direction every once in a while. And I think they did it perfect with Goblin coming in and being that dark direction. I love, with that, with, like, William Defoe's performance, all the villains did great. Um, William Defoe did amazing. Alfred Molina, as always, did amazing. Jamie Foxx redeemed Electro in this film. Um, the Lizard and the Sandman weren't really there, so they really had, like, very few lines, but it was cool seeing them again because neither of them could film for this, but they did lines. Um, I don't know. that. I know it's Thomas Hayden Church, and it's like, again, Logan, forgetting the names of the actors again. I know it's like Riz something, or Reese. Adrian, my co-host of B-Jump, I'm not going to be very happy because he loves Andrew Garfield, so he probably knows this actor's name, um, but I don't. Um, blah, 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 blah. Why, why can't you just show me Amazing Spider-Man? Why, 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 Google, are you showing me the list of all the Spider-Man movies? Riz Ifans. He was there for like five seconds and did a couple voice lines. He was fine. I think the Lizard was kind of like the joke villain of all this, so it made me really laugh. As like, he's like, I can give you a makeover. What? Turn me into a lizard? Exactly. The whole, you know, I'm something of a scientist myself. That was great. Um, and then uh, when Goblin, when he had, his spider sense was so good in this film. They used the Raimi shot. Um, with When he realizes got, um, Norma's turned back to Goblin, he's like, that's some neat trick. That sense of yours. And they're like, Norman? Norman's on sabbatical, honey. That was, that was, oh, Alfred Molina put everything into this role. It's funny, he made it to where it's like, not memeable, but he's so memeable because he's so good at acting. You know, oh, it was so good when he came back. Can the Spider-Man come out to play? You know, I love that. Um, I just absolutely love Alfred Molina's performance. I thought Tom Holland did an amazing job in this film. I thought he 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 put everything into acting as like the most almost like brutal, you know, every like Spider-Man, he the way the, especially like the fight scenes with him and Goblin that first one where he starts like wailing on Goblin like in like a power bomb pose and Goblin's just laughing at him before like taking him like a spine buster to a form. They started using like WWE moves and stuff. And then of course, what everyone was talking about. Um of course, uh Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire coming back, reprising their roles as their respective Spider-Mans. was a great sight. I'm hoping after this film that I heard they reshot Morbius, and that's why they bumped it back. They did a couple reshoots. My hope is they reshot it and put Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man in that film. That's my hope. I don't know if it's true, but, you know, that's what I, that's what I, that's what we can all wish. Overall, I, I mean, that film's a 10 out of 10. It's a 9.5, a 10 out of 10. Like, I, you can't get better than what you got. I mean, it's just plain and simple, almost perfection, if not perfection. Everything they did, especially with the villains, and, and it re, it fixed, um, it fixed Tom Holland's Spider-Man. That's the most important thing. The ending, with him losing Ned, and losing, and sadly, with Aunt May's death, you know, him losing the Stark tech, and everything, and having to become Spider-Man on his own, Nobody to help him was just that's that's what Spider Man is like. 
he is the quintessential underdog character. He doesn't have, you know, money or wealth or power or a steady job. He just has like a small group of friends at half the time he may push away for their own, you know, help. As you notice in this film, that's why he clicking, that's why he wanted to do the spell. Because it was ruining his friends' lives. You know, they weren't gonna be able to get into college and do their future. And so him taking the selfless decision time and time again and and having to restart the status quo was perfect. The new suit they showed at the end of the film looked amazing. I love it. I love that whole gleam off the blue that you saw. I love that kind of like metallic kind of look. Um, some people don't, but I love it. I thought it was great. Thought, of course, William Defoe, great performance. You know, it's like, poor Peter Parker couldn't kill me myself. Gonna send me back to my universe. And then he's like, and he's like, oh, I want to kill you myself. And he's like, Atta boy. And then, uh, and then, uh, Alfred Molina's like, the power of the sun in the palm of my hands. And he's like, we tire of your questions, boy. Oh, he was so good. That film's so good. It's so quotable, too. Oh, and then, uh, Jamie Foxx's Electro, him, you know, all about the, I like this new power, this new energy. I can feel it. He got something back there. Oh, he was great in this. The new look was perfect for him. Um, I really liked the scene him and Andrew had where they sat down, and he's like, you know, he's like, man, I just thought you'd be black. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Andrew's like apologizing, and like it's setting up miles for down the road. Oh, man, like there's so much good stuff. Like, I could, I, We might have an episode of just talking about Spider-Man because like, I'm going to get people in. I know Through the Lens already did that, so I kind of don't want to. Well, they did. They did the trilogy, Tom Holland's, which is great, and they definitely like capitalized off of this film. I'm very excited to see the next six, another three films with Tom Holland and have a grand total of six. I'm very excited for that. Uh they're probably gonna bring back Ned and Zendaya and well, um, MJ. But you know, uh, I don't know. I like them enough, but I kind of want to. I just want like a fresh, you know, restart. It's going to be funny, though, how they're going to keep going because, like, they've introduced so many iconic villains through this film. It's like, do they reintroduce them or do they go new villains? But if they reintroduce them, how is Peter going to react? Because he knows of Norman Osborn now. Like, he knows. Do not trust this man, you know? Or if he hears Harry Osborn, he'd be like, mmm. Aunt May's death was, I mean, almost got me. It was very sad. I didn't cry. I don't cry in most films, but it was getting me there. Maurice Tomei did a great job with that. The whole ending scene where he went to her grave and did the roses. And, you know, Happy, of course, didn't recognize him. You know, you could feel that Peter wanted to say something, but he couldn't. That was great. Um, The intro sequel was great. Oh, Matt Murdock, my boy Charlie Cox, coming back as Daredevil was so awesome. I about jumped out of my chair when I saw that for the first time. Every time I see it, I get, like, a little antsy. Because if you don't know, Daredevil's my favorite. TV show ever, it's my favorite, might be my favorite, I think I might like it better than any of the movies, especially season 3 so, I'm very excited to see him and I was very excited to see Kingpin, Hawkeye for the same reason, same week, I mean it was a great week for me, to say the least well, no, I'm gonna, it uh, I don't wanna get into personal matters, but it was a good week because of those things, I'll say that but man, that was so exciting, the film's perfect, 10 out of 10 I can't, again, legal reasons, I can't tell you to watch this film, but I can recommend it. It gets the biggest multiverse stamp of approval I will ever give 
for a film, do yourself a favor. Go watch it in theaters, if it's on theater, or go when it gets on video. I'd recommend buying it because it's that good. Andrew and Toby do great. Toby's moment when he comes back, especially with the score and the three Spider Man swinging together, which is so cool. I just, I just think you need to do yourself a favor, watch this film. But overall, I think that's going to be the end of it for me today. I'm starting to reach the five minute mark, so. I would like to thank everyone for listening next week. I have no idea what we're going to do next week. We're going to figure it out. We might do a recap. I might bring some guests in. I don't know. Guests? I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. I hope I can bring some guests in. But that's going to be it for me today. Thank you for listening. If you missed part of the show, you can go on Transistor. I'm trying to work on putting it on Apple and Spotify and all that stuff. Right now it's on Transistor. We will have it, you know, ad-free for all those don't like ads. But overall, I'd like to thank everyone for listening today. This has been Logan for Multiversal signing out. Keep your friends close, but your enemies close. FM 91.1 WEGL. Thank you for listening to Multiversal. If you're listening live and missed some of the show, you can find reruns of this in every episode wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow Weagle underscore AU on Instagram for updates on this show and everything else we have to offer on Weagle. If you have an idea for the show, you can DM me on Instagram at DavisLoganHerson or Twitter at LHerson. Tune in next week for another episode of Multiversal. See you, chump.